Now it is uh, it is good to be here, um, man. Just as Pastor Matthew was saying, it doesn't matter really where we're at. It doesn't matter um, where we're worshiping at. But the church is not somewhere where we we go to. Um, in the past few days, God has uh, definitely had that on on my heart. Uh, man, the, the church is not something that we just go to, but the church is who we are. Like we we are the family of God. Those of us who have been bought by the blood of Jesus, like, man, we, we get to share in this fellowship together. We, we get to share in the joy that we have with, with Jesus. And I love how uh, Matthew um, said it a few weeks back that, man, just as we eat dinner with our families, um, that same meal that is good for us, the company that is good for us, we could consume those things even on our own. If our, if our family's gone, if we're by ourselves, we could eat the same meal on the couch, um, and it wouldn't be the same because the people around us wouldn't be there. And the same thing is for, for God as we consume his word. It, it is good for us to consume his word um, by ourselves. It's good for us to, to pursue him and uh, get to grow deeper with him in our relationship. But, man, it is so important for us to meet together. It is so important for us to meet together that we get to share in this meal through song. We get to share in this meal um, through his word and fellowship and serving together and all those things. And so this is this is beautiful, and God is, he is faithful, he is consistent, and it doesn't matter where we're worshiping at, because that's the DNA of our church, of our church family, man, we get to celebrate Jesus wherever we're at, and so super excited to uh, jump into this passage, um, man, all those songs just line right up with where we're going in God's word today, and so we're going to be in Mark chapter uh, 4, verses uh, 26 through 34, and so We'll be there in just a moment. I want to pray for us, pray for our hearts, pray for my heart, and uh, then we'll, we'll set the story up and jump on in. So let's go ahead and pray. God, we, uh, we love you. We, we thank you for loving us so, so well, God, meeting us where we, we're at, where we are at, and, uh, but not allowing us to stay there, Jesus. You have saved us, you have redeemed us, and you have called us into just this great purpose for our lives that... Um, is not centered on us, but is centered on you, and we get to participate in that. Um, Lord, I just pray that your word would speak to our hearts, that we would um, just allow you to continue to grow this, this seed of faith that you have implanted in our hearts, and continue to allow it to grow, not just as individuals, but as a faith family. We love you, Jesus. We praise you in your name. Amen. So as we have been going through Mark, um, ever since Jesus had, has jumped on the scene in chapter one, he, he starts speaking, he starts teaching, and he starts even performing miracles, all to share about this coming kingdom that he is bringing to earth, to share about this, this kingdom that, that we cannot inherit on our own, this kingdom that, that, that is beautiful, it's eternal, it is how God has intended our relationship to be with him before sin had entered the world. And this is a, a kingdom that he is teaching about coming that um, cannot be held in our own ways. It cannot be held in our old traditions. It cannot be held in our own thinking, wisdom, knowledge, or power. And this is something that, just as myself and in my past had struggled with, the people in this context during Jesus' time on earth struggled with too. And we have gone through that so far in Mark, that even the religious leaders who were super dialed into Scripture, they, they, they knew it frontwards, backwards, every way, and yet they still missed Jesus as God himself, who is prophesied to be the savior of the world. Because they were wanting to hold on to their own ways, their old traditions. And in, I'm guilty in my past of doing that as well, wanting to hold on to my own ways, keeping Jesus from entering my heart at one point in time in my life. 
But Jesus has called us to enter this kingdom with him, and he said, man, it's going to take something new. All right, you can't put, put new wine into old wineskins yet. You need, you need a new heart. And so what can inherit this kingdom of God? What can hold this new beautiful kingdom is a new heart that is woven and built and constructed and redeemed by Jesus himself. And so as he is sharing this with his listeners and sharing this through his life and his ministry here on earth, he is calling them into this, um, this, this salvation and a mission, not just to get saved and say, all right, one day I'll, I'll go to heaven and I'll spend eternity with God, but you know, right now I'm just going to continue to build my own kingdom on earth and live how I want because, you know, I, I know eternity's coming. No, God, God's kingdom is, is mixing in with earth right now. It's not fully here, but his kingdom is growing while we are on earth, and he has invited us. It's not just a checklist, I told you so type of thing. He has invited us to participate in his mission, to participate in seeing his kingdom expand and his kingdom grow. He's called us to participate in, in sharing the gospel. As, as Matthew has brought us through the parable that Jesus had shared of scattering seed, how some seed will, will fall into the ground into hard soil or, or a, a heart that's not receptive to the gospel, and the enemy will come away and snatch it away, or how weeds will go, grow around it and um, not allow it to grow. But Jesus said that the, the seed of the gospel that falls into ground that has been softened, the ground that has been prepared by God, that the seed will take and um, the, the small amount of faith, the small seed that is placed in the ground will grow and it will not be denied. He has called us not only to receive that, but to share it and to scatter seed in the lives where, um, in the people in our lives who do not know Jesus, who are, who are close to us and far from God. And so he, he's sharing the, the necessity of sharing the gospel and also of growing disciples, of investing in others. And we talked about that last week. What does it look like for us to continue to invest in others? To see our brothers and sisters, someone in our life who God has called us to pour into, called us to disciple, called us to see God move in ways in their life that only he can do. But then Jesus is, is going to move away from the necessity of our participation in the kingdom. And this week, he's going to move to a, a couple of parables that simply describe the power of the word of God, which is described as a seed yet again here in this passage. And it's important for us to know this because um, without understanding the power of the seed, without knowing and believing and following the power of Christ alone that generates salvation, that generates growth, we cannot participate in God's mission. We cannot go out and do the things God has called us to do by man's own power because we have not been saved by our, our own power and we cannot go out and save others, but only the power of Christ that is in us that will go out and will save others and plant the same seed of faith in their hearts as he did to ours. And so today he's going from, and again, moving from the necessity of scattering the seed to focusing on the power of the seed itself. And man, can we rest in that today? Not feel burdened or, or anxious or flustered that we have to go out and we, we, have to, we have to move in a frantic way. But that we get to enjoy and we get to sit here and rest in the fact that Christ himself is the power and the one who has saved us and will save others. That we get to just fall in step and be um, obedient to living our lives in such a way that people will not only see Jesus, but we can share Jesus and how he has transformed our hearts as well. And so we're going to jump in. Um, there's, there's two parables or, or, or stories or illustrations, whatever you want to use to help uh, you think through it better. Um, we're going to start in verse 26. 
and go through the first one, and then we'll, we'll jump to the second one in a minute after that. So it starts, it says, and Jesus said, when they're asking about what the kingdom of God is like, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, and he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, but yet he knows not how. And the earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, but when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And so I'm not a farmer, and I'm not sure how many in here are farmers, um, but I, I did grow up um, with, with a garden. Now, I didn't you know, plant anything in the garden. I can't take responsibility for it. I was a young kid. But um, growing up, uh, we, we had a, kind of an oversized garden to where we had about 10 to 15 rows of corn, and yes, in the Midwest, we love our corn, even though I hear it has not a whole lot of nutritional value, but we still love to eat it, and we love to dip unhealthy things, or dip it into unhealthy things, a bunch of butter, salt, so on and so forth. Um, so we had like 10 to 15 rows of corn, we had tomatoes, cucumbers, zucchini, peppers, green beans, all you can name it, and each spring or later in spring, after the, the, the ground would be ready for us to prepare it, we wouldn't just go out there and kind of dig a little hole and then throw seed in there because, because it wouldn't grow. We, we needed to do a few things before that. And so um, even though I'm not a farmer, um, maybe some of us in here have done the same thing. Maybe we have tried to grow peppers or tomatoes or, or something to where we can hopefully um, understand this a little bit better. And so G Jesus is describing the kingdom of God first as a mystery, but also as a certainty. In this, in this story, in this parable, at first, he's describing that, that the mystery of God is in the same way that we try to plant and grow crops or, or, uh, or plants or veggies or what, whatever it is that we're doing. That we, we can go ahead and till the ground up, grab that big roller tiller and fill gas up in it and take hours trying to till up the ground. We can go ahead and plant the seed ourselves and cover it up. We can go ahead and set up the irrigation system around it that helps dump water on it. But yet, we have no power to actually grow that seed into what it has been created to do. Or if in middle school you had the experiment where you would plant that one little seed in a cup, then every day you'd come by to see how it's growing, and mine always seemed to just die. It never even took. But everybody else's, uh, man, it would just shoot up. I felt like, like 10 feet in the air. And I'm like, man, like, how did that happen? Like, none of us are even here at nighttime, and yet the seed grows. And Jesus uses this analogy for his listeners to show them that in the same way is how the power of the word of God, which is the seed that he is describing, grows in a heart that has been receptive, that God has tilled, that God has softened and prepared for the gospel to live in, to grow in, to thrive in. And this mystery in the same way is with, with our hearts. Man, and in other people's hearts, we can go, we can build relationships with people. We can, we can, help see God soften their hearts in the way that we build trust with them, the way that we serve them, the way that we love them. And heck, we can share the gospel with them, and in that moment, it might be implanted in their heart, and yet we don't know it because it is the power of God that is going to bring that to life. And it's the word of God itself that's going to bring that to life. And in James chapter um, 1, verses 21, he states the same exact thing, comparing it to a seed in the ground. He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word of God, which is able to save your souls. So this implanted word that God has given us, that he has planted in our heart, 
This is something that can only be taken by a receptive heart, a heart that has been softened and prepared by God, that has been humbled by God, that we may place our faith in Jesus and grow in him. And once it's planted, it takes off. So it's kind of a mystery in itself in the gospel. It seems so simple, but yet we can't fully understand it. Something so simple can grow into something that we can't even imagine, that we get to enjoy. And it's a beautiful mystery, but yet it's also the most certain thing that we will ever have and ever experience and ever touch and hold in this life. Because even though we can't fully understand or can't fully describe it, when the gospel is planted in somebody's heart, it will not be denied. When God has planted it and um, we, we continue to water it and help see it grow, God is the one who brings the growth. And it will not be denied. And that should comfort us as believers in Christ. That should comfort us and assure us in our faith that, man, once the seed has took in our heart and we have trusted and believed in Jesus, and even though it seems like, man, we're still so far from where I know God wants me, we cannot lose the love that Christ has for us. And this makes more sense. And this man just made me just praise even more this week, thinking of when Paul was writing to the Roman church, and he was like, there is nothing that can separate us from the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing in, in, in the far universe, nothing in the depths of the ocean, in our own minds, in anybody, nothing can separate us from his love, not even our sin, because he has bought us, he has redeemed us, and he has planted that seed in our heart, that seed of faith in him, and it will not be denied. It will not be denied. And this is something that hasn't just come in a moment. Jesus didn't just save everybody that, that God had called him to come and save in one moment or in a push of a tidal wave, or one worship service, or an experience, or an emotion. No, God has instituted this to where Jesus' kingdom will be built in a process, much like we even see the crops grow, or the grass grow. So he goes on further in this passage, and he says, the earth produces by itself, going back to verse 28, the earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, but when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So he's saying th this mystery that is profound, we don't yet know how it grows, but when it grows, it's as simple as this. It's as simple as the process of these plants growing, right? It's as simple as uh, going outside after your grass ends dormant season and watching your grass grow. It just goes stage by stage. It's not in one big moment. And yes, I love grass. I love cutting grass. And so I'm really excited for the grass to come out of dormancy. But when we see the grass grow and it comes out of dormancy and, and, and it, it spruces up and it grows up, this is something that doesn't just happen in a moment, but it happens over time. And it may seem slow to us, but it is consistent, it is good, and it will not be denied. Man, it, this just goes to show that even in the unspectacular moments that we see in the church, the craziness that's going on in our world, the, the distractions that we even have in our own life, the things that may seem more appealing, God's kingdom never ceases to exist or grow, that he is building his kingdom right now. With our brothers and sisters overseas in different countries who are being killed for their faith in Christ, God is continuing to see his kingdom grow through the moments and the craziness in, in our own country, our, our homes, our schools, God continues to see his kingdom grow because he will not be denied. And the word of God, when implanted in the hearts of people, doesn't matter if it's the craziest situation 
or whatever it is that seems to be going on, his word will not be denied, but will come to full fruition. It is, it is automatic, and it is destined for completion. But yet, when Jesus returns, it is in a moment. So over the course of the last 2,000 years, as Jesus is slowly building his kingdom and building it in the way that he has intended to build it, in a moment when he returns to, to reap what was sown, to, to gather his harvest, that will be in a moment when we finish up in that, that parable. He says, but when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. I'm reading through this at first. I'm like, what the heck is a sickle? So I look it up, and it's like a short-handed farming tool with like a semicircular blade that farmers would use to either trim or cut down grain. And so, and, and this is used a lot in Scripture, especially in Revelation, when Jesus is coming to judge the earth. That he will come and he will judge the sin and the evil and the wickedness that has opposed God's design. And yet in that, those who have been bought by the blood of Jesus, those of us who call on Jesus as Lord and Savior, he will come to the harvest and bring us into his presence that we would be resurrected into new bodies, resurrected into sinless perfection, and we will worship Jesus together forever, serving him perfectly forever, without sin, without blemish. And so at once he will come and he will gather what is, what is his. He will gather the work that he has put in for the last 2,000 years. And even before that, as the word of God has been preparing for the moment for Christ to come. And then Jesus goes even further with, with, this, with, this next par- with this next parable to continue to describe to us what, what the kingdom of God is like. And he said, well, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what, what parable shall we use for it? Well, it is like a grain of a mustard seed, which, when sown into the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when, in, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can come and make nests in its shade. So this is in uh, Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, and Luke's gospel, speaking of the the mustard seed that Jesus is using to describe the kingdom, and also uses it to describe um, our faith in him, that it does not take more than just a little, little bit of a mustard seed of faith that Christ has implanted in us, that he has given us, that, that isn't able to save us and allow us to grow in him. And, and this is a reflection of his kingdom, that Jesus is comparing himself and his church at first to the mustard seed. That it is just Jesus and a few disciples that he is growing his church through. And at first it seems minimal. People don't seem phased by it. They don't seem to be affected by it. They thought once they killed Jesus, everything would be over. His followers would scatter, so on and so forth. Things that they have done in the past to people that they um, claim to be blasphemous. But Jesus dies and he rises from the grave and his spirit that lives in us cannot and will not be denied. So his church continues to grow and he compares it to a mustard seed which his listeners would know during, around that area in Galilee would have been the smallest of seeds. And when the smallest of seeds is planted, it would spruce up into uh, bushels or plants anywhere from 4 feet tall to 10 feet tall to 15 feet tall. So in this comparison, he's showing, look, my kingdom that is coming looks so minimal right now, but it is going to grow into sizes that don't make sense compared to the seed that you have planted. But he even brings it a step further because the plants and the things from these seeds that would grow around Galilee, they, they would renew every springtime. And as Jesus says, 
Yet when it is sown into the ground, it comes up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. The plants that would grow around Galilee and renew each spring weren't strong enough or big enough to hold all the birds that would come to it. Only small birds. Only birds that, that, would, that, the, that the tree would be able to contain. But Jesus is taking it a step further and saying the kingdom of God is something, yes, like this mustard seed, but it's even greater than just these trees that grow to unproportionate sizes. In fact, it's going to be able to give shade and rest and peace and joy to things much more than just a small size or a small amount of birds. And he gets this and he takes this straight from, from Daniel as Nebuchadnezzar, this is in the Old Testament, where Nebuchadnezzar has a vision of this big tree that takes over the whole entire earth. It's in the center of the earth, and, and he, he's having a hard time understanding this. And so he goes and he, he calls for Daniel to come and to give him um, a revelation of what this vision, what this dream means. And part of it, in verse 12, it says, or starting in verse 11, the tree grew to become strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. And its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in, and in it was food for all. And the beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. This is much greater and much bigger than just a small tree or bush that grows 4 or 10 or 15 feet high. This is the kingdom of God that starts off what seems so small is going to grow to, unthinkable, to an unthinkable size, and as heaven meets earth, for the final and full time, everything that God has created that has been redeemed by Christ will be able to grab shade and joy and peace and be fed forever eternally. Nothing else we will ever have to run after to try to satisfy our souls. Christ himself for eternity will be enough as we serve him, as we love him, as we worship him. And as we do that, not just as a faith family here at Origins or in the city, but in the nations that every nation and every tongue will come and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Isn't that something? This, this church that has started with just a, a small group of people, the only way that this can grow into what we see in the culmination and revelation is through the power of God himself. It's not by our power of participating. Yes, we are called to do that, but it is by the power of faith alone, grace alone, and Christ alone in which he grows his kingdom where all the birds and the nations will come and grab rest and joy. Only God, only Christ himself can do something like that. But right now we, we live in a world where, man, the, the rest and the trees and the branches that we see are much like that were around Galilee in that time. It's, this is a temporary kingdom of Satan's, of brokenness and evil and sin we still at times try to run and try to find rest in things that won't give us rest, in trees that won't be able to hold what we need. People who don't know Christ yet are, are full on trying to find their rest and their joy and their peace in things that are only going to leave them more empty, branches that are going to break that won't be able to hold them, nests that won't be able to, to give them rest, to give them shade, to give them food. Christ is calling to us to remind us that there is going to be a time that is going to come that we won't have to rely on other things to satisfy us. But we don't have to wait until eternity. Right now, just as we heard last week, man, we can grow in the knowledge and in the love of Christ now. We can grow closer with him now, find our rest in him now, and bring this joy and this rest that he has given us to other people around us. So after Jesus shares these stories with 
with the group of listeners around him. To finish it off, Mark writes, he says, And with many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. So wherever Jesus went, he spoke in these stories. But think of it like this. Jesus always gave the sermon illustration without the sermon. So people were left kind of like, what is that? What does that mean? But it, it was normal during that time. In, in, in not just Jewish culture, but ancient culture in general, teachers would only give the full aspect and the full picture, the clear picture of these things to their pupils or to those who were closest to them. And Jesus was doing this for a reason. He, he was explaining these things. He was giving the actual sermon to those close to him because he was starting to instill and to teach and to pour into and to grow those around him who would bring his church and expand it to where we even see on Pentecost where thousands of people are saved in a moment. And still 2,000 years later, we see the church growing. This starts with Jesus practically in a very smart and intelligent way doing these things with his disciples, moment by moment, pouring into them and teaching them. So a couple takeaways we have from this is, man, before we participate, pay, before we just go on and serve, before we just go on and do, let, let Christ remind us that the power of our salvation and the power of other people's salvation comes from Christ alone. Let us rest in that. Let us rest in him. And let's allow that to, to, to push us and to drive us to serve other people, to love other people. And with our actions, yes, serve with our actions, but share the love of Jesus with our words so that they would trust us because of how we have grown our trust in, in them with love and serving them. That when they do hear the word of God, we're, we're not just used car salesmen trying to just give something to them. And if they don't buy it, then we walk off. But we serve and we love them. We, we allow God to till the ground, to soften the ground. So that way when we speak the gospel, when we preach the gospel, that if it takes, it will not be denied. And it will start with love, and it will end one day in eternity with love as we live with Christ forever. And Danny Aiken says this about this passage as he's reflecting on it. He says, only when we walk close to Jesus will we understand God's language of his kingdom and power that we are invited to participate in. Man, just like last week, we, we can only know this power. We can only understand it. We can only grow closer with Christ the more we spend time. For the first time this week, usually I listen to like, you know, pump up music if I try to get a workout in or something, which is long. It's like 30 music, 30 minutes. Man, I, I decided to listen to a podcast and I decided to listen to God's word during the cool down part of it. It was, it was, it was just good. It just put me in, in the right spot, in the right heart posture for the day. Growing closer with Jesus so that he may be able to pour that out of us and into other people, which thank you, Matthew, for providing that influence last week. Even if, you, even if anybody in here doesn't work out or anything, whatever you do, whether you're vacuuming the house, picking up dog poop, making a pizza, whatever it is, put in, put in the AirPods and throw on God's word. He can talk to us in any moment. He's, o he's always there. And, and we understand that this faith family we have here, um, th this is for brothers and sisters in Christ. We meet together as brothers and sisters in Christ with the understanding that, that there may be um, individuals in here, individuals in your life who do not know Jesus. And, um, man, Jesus makes it very clear in here that when we draw close to him and he gives us the word that 
grows into this awesome, unthinkable amount of faith in him. It can only happen if we draw close to him. But if you haven't made that decision to, to, to follow Jesus, and you decide to pull back from him, one day you will lose him. And it's the hardest part to, to, to talk is it can kind of make you feel a little on the edge of your seats or, man, is this comfortable, is this uncomfortable? But we, we can only understand the true gospel, the goodness and the love that Christ has for us if we know the bad news. There has to be bad news in order for there to be good news. And those of us who are in Christ, we can be assured that the seed of faith has been implanted in our hearts and it will not be denied. When we fall, there's grace. When we fail, there's grace. When we sin, there's grace. God has called us into a relationship to where he will continue to sustain us. But maybe today God has first put that seed into your heart and, listen, and you're hearing that for the first time. Well, we have a great faith family here that can walk with you in that. Matthew, Andrew, Neil, myself, our families, are, are people who serve in different areas here, who have stories of how Christ has changed us. Man, we would love to sit down and walk with you through that. Just know Christ calls to you and he invites you into this, this beautiful relationship. And so, man, application for this week. Let's just take moments this week to, to just be filled with the word of God. Be filled with his love. Be filled, preach the gospel to ourselves. Remind us of where we were and where Christ has brought us and where he's going to continue to bring us. And just know this is happening not just here, not just in this state or this country. This is happening all over the world. God is building a kingdom to where one day it will be so unthinkable to where all who call upon the name of Jesus will come and they will eat and they will enjoy fellowship forever with him. That is something to look forward to. And so let's go ahead and pray and then we'll, we'll finish off here with a, with a song. Lord, we, uh, we just love you. Um, thank you for your word. There's not much to say else besides, uh, God, just continue to work on our hearts. Be with our church family, God, as we're all going through different things. Um, help us continue to grow in you. That even though our circumstances may change, things in life may change, God, you never change. You are consistent, you are good, and you are certain that you will bring to fruition what you have started. We love you, Jesus. We praise you in your name. Amen.